Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo and hello everybody. Mike Moynihan here. Welcome to another episode of the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast. We are rolling along, getting closer and closer to the big show, the big event. Uh, I want to put out here to everybody at the National that we are going to do a get-together, kind of a content creator slash content consumer. Basically, if you're listening to this, watching this, you are invited. Everybody's been asking me, am I invited? Like, yes. Everybody's invited. We are going to do a Thursday night get together, Embassy Suites, seven o'clock, kind of goes till whenever. And it's just kind of come and go. There's other events going on. I get that. So just if you can make an appearance or want to make an appearance and hang out and talk cards and meet a bunch of people, we're just providing an opportunity for you to do that. So that's happening at the show. And it seems like every year I kind of gear up for the show. I do an episode with Eric, which we did a few weeks ago, just talk, talking about the particulars. And then I kind of like to get a state of the hobby, kind of what's going on from a guy kind of behind the scenes. And my guy for that is someone who's been on multiple times. That's Craig Halbig, great dealer and an even better friend. Craig, how are you doing? Hey, Mike. I'm doing great. Welcome to the show for the 148th time or whatever it feels like. Uh become a friend of the show and a friend of mine and i appreciate it uh you ready for the national you excited i'm ready and you know i gotta say i love the introduction your dad's introduction the shower and the gym pool i mean it's just every time i i laugh it's just it's great yeah it's classic classic yeah, yeah I'm, I'm i think uh, i'm getting closer for the national i've got a show this weekend and the midwest monster that's kind of helping me gear up i guess and get more organized for uh, for the national. So yeah, I've been, you know, it's a, you just can't really have enough cards and enough material for the national because it's just, you know, somebody's looking for something and hopefully you have it because there's so many collectors and it's just, that's, what's exciting about it. I think is, uh, you know, there's so, you get to meet so many people, you know, the friendships, but yeah, it's, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Midwest monster is in Indy. It's an Indy. Yeah. yeah, it's an indie. It's a it's a good show. Uh, probably I don't know, maybe four, maybe four hundred tables somewhere around there. It's a big show. Maybe a little more. Yeah, I think SGC, JSA, some of those guys will be there. So yeah, it's it's a good show. Very very cool. Yeah. Well, what, as you get ready for this show and probably any show, but especially the national, as you're doing this, like you said, you want to have cards for the collectors that are out there. You know. To me, as a dealer, it would be always this struggle if I was a dealer to be getting new inventory and refreshing everything and getting cards graded and all those things. Yeah. What's what's kind of the key to your success and how you keep it fresh? 
I think just, you know, kind of staying in touch with, I have a lot of customers that, uh, and friends that kind of let me know what they're looking for, but uh, you just really don't slow down as far as adding to your inventory. I haven't, um, you know, and like you said about the grading, I mean, I have been doing a little more grading because, you know, the, the national, there's a lot of folks looking for graded and of course a lot of people looking for raw too. So for me, uh, you know, all the albums, all the books, everything in order, uh, boxes and boxes and boxes of cards in order, boxes of stars. And I have like 13 showcases full of cards. So the, the key is to have everything organized. I've got a couple nieces. My kids are in college, so they're not, they haven't been able to help much, but they come over and help me a lot. Um, you know, they're constantly helping me sort cards. And so I've got kind of a backup inventory where I can pull from that and fill my albums and, uh, so, you know, like, like I probably told you before the, the real excitement, and I hope that I can help people, you know, complete their sets or, you know, Hey, I need that card for my run. And if I can help people with that, that's, you know, that's the goal. So, um, it, it is a challenge with the inventory, um, and keeping everything up and, uh, this show this weekend will kind of help me put me in check a little bit, I think, as far as how things are going and then you're always still kind of scrambling before the national and making sure you've got it. Cause you know, there's, there's more dealers at the national than any show. I just did the Strongsville show not long ago in Ohio. Uh, you know, that room is packed full with the biggest and best vintage dealers in the country. Um, so, you know, it really, it kind of helps you reflect on, on your inventory and what you need to do and, and uh, what you might be missing and what you want to add. So it's always good to have a little bit of everything. To me, it's interesting. I see a trend and I want to get your take on this. If it feels like there's a lot more raw vintage when I go to shows, and I don't know if that's a reflection of collectors wanting more raw or if it's a reflection of what's the state of the grading market where it's just hard. It takes a long time. It's like, well, I'll just sell it raw instead right. of waiting forever and paying the cost. Do you find it's collector's demand or the grading landscape i think it's a little bit of both um you know for me you know you send your cards to psa and they've got them for a long time or you send them to sgc and you got them back in 10 days so um you know everybody's everything's debatable about you know who to use and you know you get more for this and more for that and we could have a whole podcast just on and this is kind of a challenge for me is you know you have a SGC six or PSA six. Well, that six could be nicer than a seven or that six could be. So there's just, there's just so much involved in, in the preparing, but I, I would say, uh, you know, for me, a majority of my cards that I bring are raw. Um, just because I feel like there's still a lot of set builders out there that are building their raw sets. So, um, I really kind of cater, uh, to that collector. So, I mean, you know, I, I don't know how many books, of cards and how many cards, you know, for the national, I'm renting a cargo van and I've got two booths. I'm going to be bringing everything from magazines to pins to maybe some heartlands to just uh, pennants. I mean, just everything, can fit, right? everything that I can fit in that cargo van just to kind of, you know, feel it out and kind of try to help everybody that's collecting. So it's almost like the hobby. And I, and when I say the hobby, I really mean collectors, right? Guys that are genuinely collectors. 
are rebelling against grading almost like, well, you know, since the pandemic, well, it got too expensive, too long. Screw it. I'm going to just go yep. raw myself included. I've started building, you know, some vintage sets raw for binder sets. Um, and so I, I kind of get it. I'm still a graded guy. Like I love graded cards mm -hmm. especially for hall of famers and, and higher end stuff. But the reality is I think just people go, I just want the card. And yeah. if it comes from a reputable dealer where I'm not worried about having a fake card, not that you right. never stop worrying about it completely, but it's less likely, you know, if you go to a, a dealer like yourself who knows what, what they have and whether it's real or not, it's, I don't know. It just feels like maybe there's almost this subtle rebellion, you know, anti-grading uh, kind of percolating in the hobby, but we'll see, you know, that it all comes and goes, right. It always, you know, I, I think, uh, I think people are starting to realize that, you know, if, if Craig and Mike want to look at a card and if Craig wants to buy a card from Mike or Mike wants to buy a card from Craig, we can both look at that raw card and decide the condition and, what we think is fair, you know, we're sending our raw cards to a graded company and somebody's deciding to tell us what the grade is. I mean, when you really think about the guts of what's going on, I mean, it really does think, make you think twice about, about grading. And then you see a lot of the posts and, you know, I saw one the other day on a, on a DiMaggio rookie that, you know, one company graded it authentic and another company graded it at five. And, uh, you know, there's just uh there's just, it just depends on that grader and their opinion. And like, if you and I decide to look at a raw card, it's our opinion, what we think of that card. So and I think that my approach to at the shows and with, you know, everybody that comes to the table, selling them a card is really myself and the collector or whoever it is. We really kind of take a look at the card and uh, sometimes, especially on those more expensive cards, kind of talk about it and see what we think on the condition. I mean, that's what makes collecting and, interacting it shows so much fun i think because you get to handle the car you know you can buy cards on ebay and online but that's why i really enjoy shows because you, you get to build those relationships and you get to talk about those cards and about the collecting and what do you think about this card you know so yeah. there's a lot more involved in it and that's how you build relationships and hopefully continue those relationships with those same people well, let me ask you, you said you were, you had sent a bunch of cards off recently kind of to mm -hmm. SGC. Are you sending off multiple orders or are you kind of, did you kind of package everything up with the idea? I want these either necessary, maybe not by this weekend, but ideally you'll have some today. You said you may have a package coming in yeah. today, but do you, you're using SGC more. Mm -hmm. Is that simply because of the turnaround or does it, how much factor is, resale value or is it does it matter as much in vintage in your opinion from what you're seeing i mean the resale value there is a difference on some it just kind of depends on the year and the card but the the turnaround time for me is is huge um, i like the holder but you know i've got the opportunity to talk to some of this these guys at sgc uh, you know they're a company that i feel like goes out of their way to take care of of me so um and for me that you know, that means a lot. So I've been sending them, I've been sending them cards and the turnaround time has been like, you know, seven to 10 days or whatever it is from door to door. And uh, they really take care of me. And I've been, I've been really happy. They're starting to go to some of the shows. I know they were, uh, they're going to be in Indianapolis this weekend. SGC will be. So they're starting to, to get out and go to some of these shows and 
they have show specials and they they have 10 or I think it's 10% off their grading and their return is I guess less than 10 days still so so, a lot of good service good people so I mean you know that goes a long way I think for me it does anyway I, I think it does for a lot of people and you know a few bucks more you might make on a card but you have it quicker because it's for me if you're a dealer and the way I I from talking to you so much it's like dude i'm i'm just ready to sell cards and that's that's the attitude that i think you as a dealer separate yourself from other people your goal is to sell cards and then get more cards and sell those and not just hoard them so to speak by putting prices that are unreasonable yours is to move them through the hobby you know keep the train rolling on these cards and i love that about your attitude and your desire to help and all of that matters. And I think to do that, SGC is more conducive to that if you're going to have graded because they just, they they keep the train moving themselves, right? They do. Uh, and they are, every interaction I've had with SGC, which has mainly been with Peter, ironically, it, from the top, it is like, they're a great company. Yeah. You know? And and he, yeah. he, you know, exudes that when you talk to him, what their goals are, what their, mission is and how they want to help people. And I think that trickles down to the rest of his staff, right? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, when I get these submissions back, of course, the challenge for me is do I want to sell it or keep it? You know, it's because I'm always adding to my to my collection. And, um, you know, it's it's fun. You know, it's it's I always have to make that. Well, do I want to keep this card? And then you start looking at your kind of like what you've got there in the background with all the cards you got. I know, but uh, I keep I do keep quite a few cards, but uh, you can't keep everything. So it's, it's a, uh, I enjoy it. You know, I think I do maybe seven shows a year. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I don't do like shows every weekend because it, I, I think I've said that before too. If, if I was one of those guys doing 10, 12, 15 shows and some guys do them every weekend, it would kind of take away the fun for me, I guess. Yeah. And then it becomes too much of a job, I guess. And you're, you know, it takes away from me what I love about it and the collecting part of it. So I kind of balance that. That's, and I, I know there's a, you got a lot of people probably listen to this podcast that, that maybe do a few shows or do a lot of shows. And I know a lot of times for me, when I'm talking to the dealers, I always ask them, you know, do you collect or do you have a collection? And, you know, some do and some don't, but for me, I, you know, I definitely do. So I've got to find that happy medium of not getting burnt out doing too many shows because the preparation's a lot of work and, but to where I can still enjoy it and collect, you know, so. So that, you know, I do keep everything. So that's my problem. Uh, but I also don't deal. Do you look at being a dealer as part of your hobby? Like, is that a hobby for you? I think so. Yeah. Because as, as I do those shows, I get to meet more people. Um, and sometimes when you do those shows, you'll have people bring cards and collections to you, to your tables. And I've bought stuff that way. Um, and I bought some pretty neat stuff that a lot of it that I've kept, not all of it, but some of it. So, I mean, it is kind of a hobby because it's just, it's just fun. And you've, you know, you've seen me at the shows and usually whenever, you know, I've got a lot of people that will come see me and we just have a lot of fun. I mean, we really do. I mean, it's, um, you know, you can go to some tables and some dealers are kind of, it looks like they're not having fun. Well, guess what? We're collecting baseball cards and we're at a card show and 
we're, we're going to have a good time. So, I, I mean, I think that's all part of the experience for me just because, you know, I grew up as a kid going to card shows and I loved it then. And I, I still love it now. I know we've talked about different shows and how the show setup is. And um, it's just all part of that experience for me and enjoying the hobby. So it's got to be fun. If it's not going to be fun, then I'm not going to do it. But it's going to be it's I'm going to enjoy it. Does Holly have fun? That's the question. She does. Yep. Okay. She does. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm pretty lucky to have, to have her, um, you know, at all these shows and helping me. I mean, I couldn't do it without her. That's, that's for sure. So uh, she doesn't get much, you know, a lot of times those days go till you know, have those, these, some of these shows are late seven, eight o'clock and there's not much time to go out to dinner or do anything. So I'm, I'm real fortunate that, uh, that I've got her to help me. So, well, and she's your, you know, She's your hard one. Like you don't want to, you don't want to be negotiating with Holly. She'll be like, nope. She's tough. She's tough. She's tough. Yeah. So Chicago this year looks from everything I can see, it's going to be significantly bigger. You know, I've seen the floor plan now. Mm -hmm. Uh, It looks crazy. I mean, I've been to multiple Chicago nationals. In fact, told the story you and I met at a Chicago national mm-hmm. you were back in the uh carpeted red carpet area your yeah. first one that was 19 I guess I think I think so yeah good grief man it's been <laughs> well Time like, flies. holy moly uh but you know it looks so much bigger and that both makes me excited and terrified like the idea of trying to get around this gigantic gigantic show floor i don't know that you could do it in a day honestly and see anything significant i mean you could whiz through it obviously but to i think it's going to take me a couple of days to really kind of see everything yeah does that concern you or are you glad it's getting bigger oh i mean i don't know that it's i mean i don't think it's a bad thing i mean i think people are gonna have to decide you know how many hopefully they've got a few days to to be able to really soak it all in because it is bigger. I know they've got more corporate area this time. So I, I know uh, whenever they had the draw for our, our booths, you know, we have to go uh, on a certain day to get, to get our booths and our locations of what we pick. There were several that had a, uh, you know, maybe that just been their first show in Atlantic city that weren't able to get a booth for the show. So um, it was kind of tough. I was fortunate to get two booths and I'm kind of over by that autograph pavilion. Uh, area over by TriStar, I think. Um, so that looks kind of like, but if you look, I know you talked about looking at the floor plan, you know, there's that section. It looks like there's a main entrance that goes there and then there's the big area. So, I mean, it looks, it really does look, it looks massive. Massive. Yeah, it does. So, I mean, I think the key for, for people is to make sure, you know, like my business card, of course, has got the, we talked about that with the, where somebody can write down, but take notes, uh, have the floor plan handy. Um, and just write things down because you'll start wandering around. It's just about like being in the woods and not seeing the edge and maybe a woods you've not been in before for those that hunt like me do, but you can, you can kind of get lost in there trying to figure out, well, let's see, where was that card at? Or yeah, um, where was that dealer at? You know? So that's probably my biggest tip for people going to the national. If this is your first one, you will be overwhelmed. Yeah. And you need to be, if you find a card at a table, take a picture to grab a card. I love that you did that. Have people, have you started using those yet? Have people used it? Yeah, I had them at Strongsville. Of course, that show is not 
big. I mean, it's packed, but it's not big, but people were writing things on the back. But, um, you know, a lot of times a lot of people just buy it when they see it. But um, if they don't, you know, the national, there's so much to see, um, you know, you can write it down on the back or whatever, but yeah, notes and locations and uh, Love that, it. That, that helps. Yeah. So I, I think about the vastness of the floor and if I'm a dealer, I'm thinking, because I don't know that because it's 30 or 40% bigger, whatever it's going to be, that more people are going to come. People are going to come no matter how many dealers are there. And so if I'm a dealer, I'm like, well, if you allow more and more dealers, that's more and more competition. That's more and more, that's harder and harder for every person to get around. You know, some people may never see your booth, you know, because it's so big and they get caught up in other things. I'm just thinking, how much bigger can it really get? Because again, I'd go whether it was 30% less or 30% more, it doesn't matter. I would still go, but I'm now I'm kind of like, God, am I going to be able to see everything? And, and, and the answer is yes. But if you're only there a day or two, you know, you may, you as a dealer, Craig may get looked over actually, not intentionally, but just because of the chaos that's going to be going on in a, in a good chaos, like, but, does that ever, I mean, do you think? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of like that Strongsville show that I did. I mean, it's just packed full of vintage and everybody's got everything. So, I mean, I think what helps you stand out is hopefully making it easier for the, for the collector to find what they need, um, having fair prices and just making it a fun experience when they come see you, you know, um, luckily I've been doing shows kind of around for several years. So I've got, pretty good following, I think. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's just a matter of taking care of, taking care of everybody. And, um, you know, and I didn't count to see exactly how many dealers, card dealers, actual booths there are compared to, let's say Atlantic city last year and how much I know they did expand the corporate area. So I don't know if there's, you know, that many more people that are actually selling cards. I, I didn't really look at the dealer list compared to the list at Atlantic city. That'd be a good question for Megan, but um, you know, it just does look, it uh, looks like a definitely a bigger, a bigger floor plan, but uh, just taking, just doing, I'm not going to change uh, from what I've done in the past. I'm just going to continue to take care of the collector and hopefully make it a good experience and, uh, you know, be as fair as I can and uh, make it fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I enjoy it. It's, yeah. It's going to be in our month where, you know, now we're, it's next month. So, I mean, we're, we're getting I, close. I, uh, I love that. I know people that go to the show and beeline it for your table. You know, that's the first place they want to go. And I, the thing that thrills me the most is I'll get people sending me messages either through Instagram or text or whatever and be like, dude, I saw Craig, you know, at the show and I recognized him from, you know, golden yeah. age or whatever. And he was just everything you said. He was great. And he was so awesome. And I love that even something like this can help make more connections can help, you know, and that people like, yeah, Craig's a good dude. Like you need to go see him. So I'm telling you guys yeah. out there, if you, uh, you should go see Craig at the national for sure. Appreciate that. Yeah. It's fun. I, it's so much fun meeting everybody and getting to talk baseball and collecting and how they started to collect and, they're just, that's the best part of the shows is getting to meet people. 
how many have come up and said you're my favorite guest on Mike's show? I bet a bunch of people have said. I've had, I've had a few. I mean, I've had a few, and but I think that it's nice that they can connect me on the show, and then they can come see me, and maybe I can help them buy a few cards to complete their set. You know what I mean? But so hopefully we can have a get together and we can all meet at the show, or people can come by, and I know we'll be you'll be floating around. So well, you need to come around. You need to come Thursday night to the deal because you're you're kind of a content creator now. I mean, you're, you've been on this show enough that I bet a lot of people would want to shake your hand and, and talk cards with you on Thursday night. So yeah, hopefully I can make it. consider this an official invite uh, okay. to that. Sounds great. But I will be hanging out a lot at Craig's table. So if you want to meet me too, uh, at least Craig will go. If you ask Craig, where's Mike, he'll go, he'll be back in a little bit because Craig kind of becomes my little hub where I get because mm -hmm. you, you're always so gracious to me and, you know, my friends and just so nice. And uh, anyway, uh, I'm trying to think what else I want to talk about with you as we head into the show. Are you do you worry about I mean, the national is such a unique thing that I don't think anything affects it. But do you feel like there's more and more you got the midwest monster this weekend you got another show now you, there'll be a dallas show before you know blah 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 there's just it feels like the show circuit is getting more and more saturated and it like dealers are having to split and go to different you know they'll take mm -hmm. their inventory to one show and another one to another do you feel like it's getting too saturated or am i making too much of it no because i know there's been a few big shows this year where you know, the guys that put on the shows didn't communicate very well. And some of those shows were the same weekend. I know that kind of affects things a little bit, um, but there does seem to be quite a few big shows going. And I mean, you know, for me, I'll do my few shows and, and that's it, you know, but you know, the guys that are doing all these shows, I think the challenge is keeping your inventory up. I, you know, I sell a lot of cards. So, um, you know, you're constantly trying to keep things, your books filled up and stay up on all the stars and, keep everything stocked. But, um, you know, I do, I do think, you know, there are some areas, uh, St. Louis, I'm, I'm fairly close to St. Louis. St. Louis always seemed to be an area that used to be, um, you know, really saturated with shows. Uh, I, I don't think there's as many as there used to be, um, but the bigger shows that are going, you know, like I said, Dallas enjoyed that Strongsville show. That's a, that's a really good, just solid vintage show. If it's shiny, it's really, they don't want it you know, they don't want it out there. They just, they just want pure vintage. So. so what was selling well in Strongsville? Like, was it set builder cards? Was there a particular set that stood out that people were kind of chasing or players? What kind of stood out to you? Yeah. I, I, it seemed like to me, I sold a lot of 53 Bowman color for some reason. There were several people building that set. Of course, in my opinion, that's one of the most beautiful sets. The 56 tops is always a huge seller. Um, and then I sold, I sold quite a few graded cards, but I mean, it was nonstop, uh, nonstop action. Uh, the last day, you know, Sundays and I know, you know, like this Midwest monsters is just Friday, Saturday. Um, a lot of these shows, you know, they'll have it through Sunday. We usually Sundays or, you know, by Sunday afternoon, um, you know, there's really not much going on. So, you know, maybe some of these guys can look at maybe, cutting that down. I don't know if that'll help with the saturation or not, but, uh, 
you know, we were really busy at Strongsville and a lot of raw, a lot of set builders. Um, so I, I'm looking, I'm hoping that the, this show this this weekend at Midwest Monster and of course the National is still a lot of set builders, a lot of people buying raw cards and building their sets. And uh, that's the fun part, you know, hopefully I can sell them the last few cards I need to complete their set. That's always the goal. Right. Strongsville is one of those bucket list shows for me that I want to do at some point, you know, just because I'm a vintage guy. But, you know, I think about heading into a show like what am I really targeting? What am I looking for? I'm I'm a pretty big buy earlier in the week rather than later because of what you're talking about. I mean, you can only take so many things. You're going to sell a lot of cards, as you said. Yeah. To me, if you don't kind of hit it early you may or may not find what you're looking for and i know guys that think completely opposite of that they want to wait till the last minute because they want some sweetheart deal and i feel like dealers are much more reluctant to do where i would tell people to be careful with that is dealers are less reluctant to do that because they're going to have another show in a month or two weeks or whatever and they'll just keep that inventory that's no big deal they'll need it for the next show anyway me if you find cards either for your set or your runs or whatever you're doing you need to pick it up and and to me earlier in the week where i have more choices available to me in the room that haven't been bought up yet that's always my preference you know um but who knows people have different ways of doing it they do The the national you know that's the place also to really find those unique those unique items, those unique cards. So if you see something that you're like, man, that's really cool. And you know, you don't see that card very often, you better get it because somebody else is going to get it. <clears throat> it's those unique, you know, I like the national I have a lot of different things. Some of those more, you know, red man with tabs and different items like that. And, um, you know, just the T206 is always do well. Um, you know, that kind of stuff goes really quick. You know, you don't, don't bring up Redman because I have a bad experience with Redman with you because I saw a Stan Musial at, the, at a Dallas show. And I still remember this because I, I can remember where it was in your showcase. Like I could tell you right now where it was. And I contemplated buying it like, ah, I'll get it later. Eh, you know, because I don't yeah. really collect Redman, but I just thought it was such a cool card. Yeah. And who doesn't love Stan Musial? You know, still very underrated in the hobby. But. I didn't buy it. Then I came back later and hey, it sold and it was, was going, you got to sell it. I get it. You know, you're going to sell it to a guy that wants to buy it versus me, him hawing around and not just making a decision. So shame on me for doing that. But are there players that you find are becoming like, wow, more people are buying this person's cards than I remember last year or two years ago. Is there anyone that's kind of getting hot in the vintage world? You know, I think, I think Larry Doby and Minnie Minoso are two guys that I sell a lot of cards of. Um, a lot of people collect those two. Nellie Fox is a Hall of Famer. I get a lot of people that come looking for Nellie Fox cards. That's interesting. Yeah, it is. But I do. Maybe it's because I'm more in the Midwest. I don't know. Um, you know, because he played for the White Sox for a while, you know, so maybe that's part of it. But, uh, uh, you know, of course, everybody wants Mantle. Everybody wants Mays and Aaron. Clemente and you know all those guys, uh, but uh, that's I would say Larry Doby's cards have gotten 
Otter, many Minosis cards. I guess, you know, since he got in the Hall of Fame, they've gotten a little more popular. So, um, you know, for me, it's just trying to have a little bit of everything. But, you know, whenever you have certain people that come and they want a certain player, uh, it's trying to identify or find that card that, you know, that kind of catches their eye. Because, you know, I, one thing I've found, too, this past probably year or two, is there's a lot of collectors that maybe necessarily aren't looking for uh, to build a set but they're just looking through the showcases and they're looking at a card that just catches their eye. And they say, you know what? I really like that card. And they end up buying it just because it's, it's just a cool card. You know I mean? It's, it's okay to, sometimes it's nice to have, okay, maybe today I'm going to go to show and, um, and I go to shows quite a bit when I can to buy stuff for myself. But if something catches my eye or it's unique or, you know, I'll buy it and for my collection. And I, I think there's a lot of people that enjoy just going to the show and finding something that catches their eye and, Hey, that's a great looking card. And there it is, you know, so um, a lot of different mix, a lot of people, a lot, a lot of different ways that people like to buy. So, you know, it's funny at this point in my collecting career, 42 years into it, I, I don't ever have regrets anymore about the cards that I bought. My regrets are the cards that I passed on. And it's that's what I think about. I don't think, oh, you know, that unique card, that unusual card. I'm, I'm never mad that I added that to my collection down the road. I never have that buyer's remorse. But I do go, oh, I wish I would have bought that when I could have. Mm -hmm. It's interesting you talk about Minoso. Another guy that I think is kind of shockingly expensive now and, and kind of hot in the hobby is another guy with a similar story is Gil Hodges, right? Yeah. You've got now that he's in the Hall of Fame. And that you find these Hall of Fame guys like myself, I'm not unique. There are tons of us out there. And you go, okay, Minoso's in. I wish I would have bought all my Hodges cards, you know, three or four years ago. I could have got them crazy cheap because a lot of people didn't think he was ever going to get in the Hall of Fame. But he's a Dodger, you know, great Dodger teams in the 50s and, you know, a, a successful manager after that. So yeah. I'm now on the hunt for all these. And they're significantly less graded versions of them which is what i'm looking for because nobody you know he wasn't a hall of famer jim cott tony oliva minoso i'm struggling to find these guys cards graded because they're not being submitted they weren't submitted before now if they have been submitted it's taking forever you know they're not back yet or whatever and so that's been a challenge and then when they do have them they price them crazy because the pops are low or you know, they just, they're new, new Hall of Famers. So you have that Hall of Fame tax that you have to pay on a card that you wouldn't if they were just a common. So there's just, it's a, it's kind of a different uh, period when you, with those kind of players. So it's interesting you say, Doby su doesn't surprise me because he was the first, you know, he, people don't realize he came in just a month or two after Jackie. It wasn't like, you know, Jackie was the only, black player for a whole year. He was the only black player for six weeks or whatever, you know, and Doby's yeah. significant in the hobby and significant in the sport, right? He has a lot of significance and Minoso kind of the first Latin star, you know, he and Clemente, I guess came shortly after. Right. But Minoso was the first big Cuban player. So. Great autograph too, Minoso. I, I don't know if you've got Hodges autograph or not. I do. I only have one though. His, his autograph is, is tough. 
he's from actually about 15, 20 minutes away from here where I live was where he was from in Southern Indiana. But, uh, yeah, Hodges, you know, I think about those cards, those 49 Bowmans and uh, you think about all the great, all the great cards, you know, Dobie and Campanella. And then of course all the big ones and a lot of great cards, um, a lot of great cards in 49, a lot of great hall of famers there. Do you find collectors speaking of 49 that are kind of moving backwards, like that are getting older and older stuff like, okay, I've, I've completed my 60s sets. Now I'm moving through the fifties or, or they're targeting those key sets like 49 Bowman. Uh, and are Bowman still, I guess, are they becoming more relevant in the hot? Like, I guess people have always loved them, but it feels like tops always reign supreme, even in the vintage world, but it feels like, more and more momentum going towards the Bowman cards. Like, oh, these are really good too, you know? I do think so. I have seen that. I think more people are starting to, you know, are starting to appreciate uh, the Bowmans. I know the the 49 Bowman is definitely the, you know, the tough one when you start talking about some of the high dollar cards in there. It's really, you know, we all say, I I know I say it, I wish 10 or 15 years ago I'd been buying, you know, 49 Bowman sets because – look at all the great cards in there and i've got i've got a lot of them but um a lot of people are really buying the uh, the bowman's like i talked about earlier the 53 bowman colors um is a beautiful set you know not really those rookie cards aren't in there uh you know like some of the other sets the you know you look at the 49 bowman or the even the 48 bowman with um, usual and bear and some of those tougher ones and of course 51's got the big ones and uh, so but yeah i think i think people are really starting to to appreciate the Bowman's and I sell a lot of those. I mean, yeah. we do those shows. I usually have boxes full of the Bowman's that way people can go through and fill their sets. And um, the, they're very popular, very popular. And, and you start looking at the, uh, the photos and um, how they look. I mean, they're just, to, I, I really enjoy them. They, they kind of grow on you, you know, um, kind of like that 55 Bowman, you know, some people, don't like it, but I think more people, more and more people are kind of, you hear, you know, the more I looked at those cards, you know, the TV kind of, it's kind of grows on them, you know? So, yeah, the, hopefully I've had some, I, I love the 55 Bowman now and oh. it's grown on me and I talk about it a lot, but I heard a criticism of it last night, which I thought was interesting that, you know, they all look the same. They all have the TV set border. And I'm think, and later after I got off the phone with the guy that was making that, critique i was like but doesn't every set have the same i mean yeah you have some car some older sets with multiple color schemes and all that but you look now and they're all pretty much the same type of set so to me that doesn't necessarily detract from the 55 bowman uh i just love the look and Mm -hmm. i think again more and more people are going yeah these are actually pretty cool so as we finish up craig i want you to tell everybody you know I know you know your booth numbers already for the national. Where can they find you in Chicago? Yep. My booth numbers, I got them written down 3516 and 3417. So those are my two booth numbers. And when you go, you can go onto the site uh, for the national, the, the website, and it'll show the floor plan. And it'll also show a dealer list, which will have me on there and uh, my booths. And like I said, I, I I'm not, I kind of try to look the floor plan, but I think there might be an in two different entrances maybe to the show. It looks like, I'm not sure. But um, when you, when you're in that uh, 
main entrance. I think you could take a ride and that's, there's a lot of tables in there. That's kind of where I'm going to be. And then there's the big area uh, straight out in front. So um, I'll, I'll be there. I've got actually two booths this year. So my buddy Ryan Turner is going to be helping me and Holly and myself. And so hopefully we can, we'll try it with two booths. I don't, I don't know how it's going to, uh, hopefully we can keep up because it's always busy, but uh, I wanted to give it a shot with two booths this year and bring more stuff. So, well, if you, if I show up at your booth, you know, as I'm roaming around and you need to go to the restroom, just tell me to stay and stick around and I'll appreciate I'll it. Sell, I'll sell everything half off. There so you go. Yeah. I'm going to do it when I'm there. Cause I'll be like, sure. Make an offer. A dollar. <laughs> great. No, yeah. uh, do make sure you stop by Craig's booth. Uh, and you know, tell him, Hey, I, I saw you on the show. I, I think, uh, it's cool to always make those connections and like, wow, that's, uh, always fun for me to hear about that people listen. <laughs> they, have, they always come by and I get to meet them and talk baseball, baseball cards. And it's just, it's the best part of the hobby. It's the best part of the hobby is getting to meet people and building relationships because that's and what it it's all about. It makes the time go faster too. If you're getting to have fun conversations that you look up and you're like, oh man, it's, it's lunchtime yeah. or whatever, but it does uh, go by, see Craig at the show. Uh, Thanks again, man, for coming on and thanks for having me talking cards. So thanks guys. We'll talk to you uh, next week, another episode and have a great one. Keep collecting. Thanks.